Hello, and welcome, my lovelies. Come on in, relax. Americans, as we discussed last time, please remove your shoes. This is a safe space <laughs> where we discuss video games in a shoeless environment. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. This is our third episode. It's uh, probably the most sought-after third episode ever since the return of the king, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the good news is the king has returned. The bad news, unfortunately... Your podcast is in another castle. Part three, still, eh? the trilogy. Still, you know, we can't I think that's what this podcast. This podcast is really building up to <laughs> eventually when we do find the castle that does contain the podcast. Uh, thank you all for coming in. You can follow us on all of the social medias at another castle ca. Uh, don't want to take up any more of your time with the spiel. We got to get news. We got the news that you need to know in the video game sphere. Uh, to bring you that beautiful, healthy news, we have two lovely gentlemen today. The king who has returned, Rodrigo Cockting. Rodrigo, how does it feel to be the returning king? Uh, I like it. I didn't know I was the king. I feel like I'm going to take advantage of this title and be demanding and, you know, king-like. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I'm my, like, the court jester who has to, like, introduce the king as he comes in. Is yeah, you're the, the guy with the trumpet. I mean, oh, okay. I don't know. We're we're a small court, so you can be you can double up as the musician, trumpet guy, and the jester when I'm bored. Yeah, if there's only three of us, I feel like we're all gonna have to double, have to quadruple up on a lot of rules. So what it's gonna am be I? weird. I'm like the cook, I guess. Well, ironically, uh, Diego Cockting, you mm-hmm. are the one who ruined the fellowship. I am. Oh, that's true. This is a reference mm-hmm. to layers and layers and layers. I ruined exactly. the fellowship. Surely, all of our <laughs> surely, along with <laughs> along with several several other alliances in our Survivor games, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. I'm sure everyone listening is uh, entirely caught up on our own personal uh, get-togethers when we mm-hmm. played Survivor. Mm-hmm. Yep. So splendid. We're all here. None of us are here to ruin Survivor. The kings are all returned. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the most important thing I have to ask these kings: the most important question today. What you playing? Diego, I'll start with you. Tell me, Diego, what you playing? All right. So uh, this week I've been playing a little bit of Guilty Gear Strive. I don't know if you guys know what Guilty Gear is, but it's a it's a fighting game. We're about to. Fighting. Okay. I was going to say it sounded Final Fighty, but I guess it's not a beat em up. It is a fighting game. It's a a fighting game. I think it's developed by Arc Systems, which are the guys that also developed the Dragon Ball Fighters games. Oh, cool. Um, I, yeah, they 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 kind of like jumped in and did Dragon Ball that one time, but they typically mm-hmm. make these these games. And one of their their most popular series is Guilty Gear. And I've never really played these anime games, but uh, my friends told me to to buy it and start playing it. And I've really been enjoying it. It's like it's a very technical game, but um, as as all fighting games, I guess are. Um, but it's it's not as technical as it as it once seemed, and I mm-hmm. think it's a lot easier to get into. Maybe they did that intentionally now. So I've been playing a little bit of that, you know, trying to get good at it. Hopefully, we'll see. I'll be facing off with some of my friends this weekend. See how I do. Testing Maybe, the skills. Testing. Yeah, the we'll skills. see if you how you are actually doing any well at that. Yeah, it's sometimes like I get into this game and like, oh yeah, this is cool, and then I get my ass kicked, and then I'm like, all, all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't like this game anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be, you have to be like Michael Caine and Bruce Wayne in Batman, right? Like when mm-hmm. it's like, why, why do we fall to get back up? To get back up. Yeah, but exactly. here, what's who's your main? Like, describe, I guess, at least one character. Like Guilty Gears. It sounds like robots. I don't know if my mind is is wrong. In I think it's robots who've done bad things and they're trying yeah. to make up for it. That's why they're so guilty. Just priests yeah. versus robots. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> <laughs> the showdown we've all been waiting for. 
I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know what the story is to this game because, <laughs> I, as I said, like fighting games to me, I just go in there, I start practicing combos, and that's it, mm-hmm. right? So, like, my character is basically like the Ryu of this game, right? And is, he's just like a really buff character with like this wide sword, kind of looks mm-hmm. like a cloud sword. But, like, uh, yeah, a lot of this game is based around like uh, different style anime characters, and they're all like, you know, as anime as you would imagine them, right? Mm hmm. But it's some uh, upskirts, I'm guessing. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's That's like the all the typical like nerd service that you would Banter, that you would yeah. find, yeah, you would find in any fighting game. So yeah, it's uh, it's been fun, but we'll see. As I said, I'm gonna try it out this weekend, see how it goes. I'll let You'll you guys report know. next episode how yeah. it went. Yeah, maybe I'll record my ass beatings for you guys to watch. You know? <laughs> oh, splendid. <laughs> we'll, put it up, we'll put it up on the YouTube channel. It'll just be a oh, series yeah. of Diego getting his ass kicked in this and game. Everybody over and just over chirping again. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah that sounds like a that sounds like a great use of that channel mm-hmm. <laughs> rodrigo it brings me to you i don't know if you're getting your ass kicked in video games but tell me what you're playing uh i finished uh fire emblem like i mentioned last week I, it's done Splendid. cross it off the list i enjoyed it throw it in uh, the garbage it's done i had this thing throughout when i was playing this game that you know you're a teacher and you have these students and then there's a time jump so like in the second part of the game, they are all adults. But in the beginning, you're kind of planting the seeds for romance with some of these characters. And again, they're students. So when I started this game, I was like, I don't know that I'm vibing with this, with, the, with what I know. I know what they're doing, right? It's like, I don't want to take part in this. So I was, kind of, I was trying to not marry anyone. But then the story engrossed me so much that by the end, I did marry uh, this one. I mean, again, time jump. They were an adult when I married them. That's fine. Uh, we're, we're not here to judge. <laughs> yeah, I'm just an Nintendo. I'm you're, just playing. You're this still game. marrying students, just so yeah. You know, it's former weird. students, I guess. Co- colleagues. Okay, now. well, uh, former students. This right. this particular student was uh, like she was a mercenary. Uh, kind of, I guess, worked under like my dad in the game, which was Gerald, and her name's Leonie, and she was like a big fan of her, and she was like pledging that she was always going to protect me because she had this loyalty to my dad. So I was like, I feel like it would be sweet if you know, like my dad that is dead in this game looks down and sees that like her kid his kid has married like this girl that he treated like a child too and it's like they're now all family so i decided to marry leone and uh, then finish the game (laughs) yeah and it's funny because i thought i thought it would happen before but it happened like right like like i finished the game and then the last scene is just kind of me proposing to leone so that was like the ending it was very sweet I, i enjoyed the fire emblem entirely but I finished it, and then what I started playing again was a game that I had started called Monster Sanctuary, which mm-hmm. is a, a Metroidvania that kind of brings in like some some Pokemon elements, uh, some I don't know Final Fight esque type battling. It, it's it's very good. I like it. Um, I just don't know how long the game is. It seems short to me from what I'm looking at the map, but I guess we'll see. I'm gonna keep on playing it. At, you know, so far it's been fun. Do you get to marry any of the monsters in this game? I married, yeah, I, I named one of the monsters Leone, and I'm desperately trying to marry it, too, in this game. Do, is that is that something that you know you can do, or is this something you just really hope that becomes an element of the game? Neither neither of these things are true. I did I not see. name the monster Leone, and I'm not planning on marrying the monster. I'm sorry for immediately blowing up your joke seconds after he's, you told it. That's, he's my, request, that's entirely me. He's requesting this to the developers already. Like, yeah. please update oh, this see. game. It's so like, many games in one already. It's mm-hmm. only missing the dating simulator part. Of can it. He's trying start, to manifest it. Yeah. yeah. Can you start a school and then can you bring these monsters in so that mm-hmm. I can start planting the seeds mm-hmm. of, of dating? Mm-hmm. Why is that a vibe? <laughs> yeah. Like people have to be better. Like to be honest, I don't mind dating. I think, like, but why are we starting with that? Like it, that part didn't need to be necessary. It's uh, it's a wish fulfillment that 
some developers think need to be in there that we should probably uh, phase out. I think uh, I think Japanese people like touch into ta- like taboo subjects like that a lot more than than we are daring to touch, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not comfortable sure. to touch. Them. It's an, it's an yeah. entirely different like mentality. Like you know, like we can't really, I guess, assume that every part, every like country in the world is going to have the same set of of like what seems right, what seems wrong than than us specifically. We can't be that egotistical. Mm-hmm. I will say though, on the topic of Japan and dating, uh, when I'm done this game, the game that I want to play next. Is this pigeon dating simulator that I saw? Hattleful this... boyfriend. Is that what it's called? It's called Hattleful boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, wa- I saw this YouTuber playing it, and I was like, I kind of want to like see what's yeah. happening with this game. I bought it on Vita a long time ago <laughs> and just never played it. And it's weird because you can play that game as pigeons, mm-hmm. or you can have the pigeon appear as just like a human being. Yeah. So yes. if you want, you yes. can have the pigeon as their true pigeon self, or you could have them as the act like a person. If you're and I'm sure you can see the correlation between like the art of the specific pigeon and then like this character that is meant to be. But I, I'm I'm interested. Well, I'll check it out when I'm done. Uh, but Jordan, <laughs> I guess what you playing? What I have been playing is what I have been playing last week. I am still playing Mass Effect Three. Mm-hmm. I'm still trudging on through the story. I'm not going through it as quickly as I'd like to be because at this point I've been playing this game forever. But I mean, it's it's fantastic. So I'm enjoying every second. My biggest problem, though, is, well, first off, uh, I had a listener from last week tell me that I thoroughly spoiled some parts of Mass Effect 3 when I was discussing it last week. Damn so no. I'm going to be a little less spoilery for a video game that came out uh, eight years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, also, I think it's also, fair. Darth it's like, Vader is Luke's father. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Here, here's the thing. I, I don't think we should go out of our way to spoil games for people, <laughs> but it's like some expectation of like this game came out like 10 years ago. Maybe. It's fine, but it's yeah. it's kind of it feels like it's a new game again since they mm-hmm. released the legendary edition. So maybe we have to we have to put a moratorium yeah. on the on the spoilers mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, but uh, spoiler free as I can be uh, in the game. Uh, originally, when it was released, they the ending people weren't very happy with it, so they released some DLC to kind of fix that up. They put this whole setting where I remember uh, that. Yeah, it was this whole thing. So basically, they put this whole new part in the DLC where you have this apartment and you hang out with like your squad mates. And it's it's kind of like the best way to end the game is by playing that mission last and then finishing the game. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a like very fan servicey, like some characters who you think might should be hooked up. They hook up in there and it's it's very, very good. But I haven't played this game in so long that I forgot what mission triggers this. So instead of me playing it right at the end, I played it like right in the middle. So everyone is like very uh, nervous that their planets are being taken over by these reapers that are taking over people. And then all of a sudden I invite everyone to my apartment. We have like a pizza party. We get drunk. And then I have to go save one of my friend's planets because there's more reapers there. It was a terrible way to do it. And I wouldn't recommend it. So anyone who hasn't played Mass Effect 3 yet, uh, don't go to uh, the Admiral's apartment until you're very, the very, very end when you're ready to end the game. Because that's the perfect way to end it. Can I ask you something? Are you enjoying this game because it's Mass Effect or because they've remade? As in, would you have enjoyed yourself as much if you were just replaying the game that you already owned? Or is there something about like this Legendary Edition that you're just like, yes, this is the right way to play Mass Effect? So the Legendary Edition, there weren't a ton of things. Like, this made it a little bit prettier for 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Most of the work that they did was in 1. Because in the first game, a lot of the systems were different. Like, you... You didn't just uh, snap to cover. You had to like crouch down and then go up to cover, and then you were kind of in there. Uh, the way the the shooting works was like awful. So they basically redid one. So this is the definitive way to play one. If you already have two and three, you can kind of play two and three. The problem is that they redid all these systems in one, 
and one still not very good. So <laughs> I would just suggest skipping over. Go to two. They do a Dark Horse comic right at the beginning where you can make all the choices that you would have made in one, and then just work your way from there. If you really like it, then you can go back to one. But I, I would actually, still just recommend two. I actually only played one. <laughs> I still haven't <laughs> played two or three. So so what yeah. you're saying is you're in for a hell of a time, Diego. Oh, yeah. It seems like that. Yeah. Well, listener, uh, listener Raf, who uh, was spoiled, I'm letting him borrow my uh, my copy. And uh, <laughs> if you want, Diego, you can borrow it after. Well, Get I have down uh, into two and three. My PlayStation doesn't have a disc reader. I got that version. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can't do that. <laughs> no, you cannot. If, you can but, borrow it and just look at it if you'd like. <laughs> but I do have uh, like Steam and those games go on sale all the time. So oh, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll if just, you I'll wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait until it's like half price and buy Yeah, it. just wait. Pay five bucks for the trilogy and you'll be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we've been playing. Uh, before we get into the news that you need to know. Uh, while Diego's waiting for these games to go on sale, we're going to wait and get a little word from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is brought to you by Layered Butter. If you love movies, there's one book that you need on your shelf, and that's Layered Butter. Each issue is a deep dive into famous directors like Quentin Tarantino, genres like modern horror, or even famous characters like James Bond. Insightful essays are paired with breathtaking art inspired by the movies to make for the one book every cinephile needs. Head over to layeredbutter.com store and buy your issue today. And we are back. I hope that you purchased all of those items. Send us receipts and uh, we'll tell you a good job. We don't have anything else. The discount codes are already in the ads. So we're here to bring you the news. It's a news-filled day. There's no time for any malarkey, even though we've already spent a lot of time on the malarkey. Uh, so to start the malarkey today is uh, Sword and Shield. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this game, Pokemon. No. So essentially, no. Okay, well, uh, we'll talk about it after uh, off the okay. podcast. Okay. So essentially, Pokemon Sword and Shield had some leakers that leaked uh, some information back in 2019. Yeah. And the Pokemon company essentially filed a lawsuit against these two individuals. They had leaked images from the game, which were from an unreleased strategy guide that had not come out yet. These two people worked uh, on, like, they were essentially working with the company and working on this guide, and they released these pictures. So they have been sentenced, and they both have to pay 150000 US dollars each for damages and attorney fees to the Pokemon company. That's uh, that's probably a lot more money than they thought that they would have to pay when they originally leaked these things. I think these boys were just looking to have a good time and share some Pikachus. And now it's uh, it's going to be quite a little dip in their pocketbook. So I want to start with you, Diego. Diego, does the Pokemon company need these men's money? Can they not just let us have fun? No. Like, if they can't let us have fun, and also... Like, they don't need these guys, like, their money. And also, like, $150,000 seems like a lot of money. You know, I mean, how, like, like for two individuals, I also don't understand the part how, I, from what I read, is these guys worked for um, a company that makes strategy guides, right? That's how they mm -hmm. had access to, to these photos and everything. So how is it that po the Pokemon company can sue individuals specifically and not the company in general? You know, it's odd to me. 
I like I don't know how that happens, but you know, I guess is this is this something from the US, I think? Like uh the lawsuit that's happening? Do you guys know? I think so, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like $150,000 like pretty steep for these guys to pay, right? Mm-hmm. And like uh it, and you know, it, it, even so though, I guess I, I mean, if they're able to pay this, and I, I want to know like the name of this company because I would <laughs> like to hiring. apply apply to get a job <laughs> for these guys. Because if they're making that much bank and they're going to be able to pay that money, I would be like incredibly surprised. Also, mm-hmm. like it's not surprising how it's not surprising at all that a company that's so closely related to Nintendo is actually suing. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think people should just be more careful around anything Nintendo at this point because like mm-hmm. Nintendo will sue you for like anything that you do. Yeah. Well, Diego, before you overreact, I wanted mm-hmm. to also point out that it was noted that the Pokemon Company's legal representation said it caused irreparable injury to the brand. Like the what? Pokemon, uh, oh. the Pokemon brand <laughs> will never recover because we've seen some of these new Pokemons. Okay. Uh, so, Rodrigo, <laughs> I would like you to comment on this irreparable injury. Will we ever see Pokemon games ever again? Listen, I don't want to take the side of the corporation here because here it's we go. shit. But I'm just saying, like, from a corporation point of view, like, I guess here's the thing. If you're going to leak something, like, you should go in knowing that they will make an example out of you because the $150,000 is not because they're $150,000 short, right? They just want to make sure that, like, anybody that ever thinks that they're going to do this again knows that it's going to be a huge amount and so that it's a a deterrent from future leaks, right? I think to me what stood out is also, like... These guys were either doing a strategy guide or like a translation of a strategy guide, I think, or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, how many people must get their hands on these images and videos and don't end up leaking it, right? Like well, the, the the processes and procedures in place to avoid this kind of thing must be like pretty intense. So how, like what, I, I, I have a lot of questions. Like how do they find out that it was these two people? Like what mistakes did they make along the way? Like, you know, maybe just say the things, don't show the images. I, I think it's also because it's like if you go online and try to find any like Reddit thread of like leaks of a Nintendo Direct or of an upcoming game, the first thing that people will do is not believe you, right? And then maybe mm. your instinct is like, oh, let me prove it by showing these pictures. But, you know, just hold on to it. Don't, if people don't believe you, they don't believe you. And then when you get proven right, people will return to that thread and they'll give you your props and, and whatever. But, I mean, I don't know. I think they made some mistakes in terms of whether or not the Pokemon company is actually suffering any type of irreparable damage here. They, they are not. I think the, the bigger irreparable damage may have been from like the, the, the fact that they didn't put out all the Pokemon in the single game, which is what fans were rabid about. I don't know that mm-hmm. they cared that like the, Ev- uh, the Dynamax or whatever leaked early, you know, was just out there. I, I, I think, like I said, it's more about like making an example out of these two people than anything else. Yeah, I think you know that it's more of a deterrent than mm-hmm. uh, a feeling like these people have damaged the Pokemon company. If anything, I think leaks sometimes make people more excited for the games because they yeah. get a little sneak peek of what's actually going on. Yeah. And it's a little conspiratory, but I feel like a lot of these leaks sometimes do come from these companies directly looking to do this. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think the Pokemon company would be looking to leak stuff directly based on yeah. how uh, the tight knit ship that they run. Yeah. They're very much not in the bit. In the industry of uh, giving out their stuff before they definitely feel like it's absolutely ready. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so basically what we're saying is we hope they start leaking some stuff for the new Pokemon Legends Arceus game. Just be better at leaking. Don't don't let it get back <laughs> to you. Like I don't know what they did. They must have made a mistake somewhere, they, right? But they it's actually like, posted it. They posted it themselves on a Discord channel. So that was really dumb on their behalf. You know, now they're uh, getting charged a buttload of money. 
Yeah. Like $150,000. It's crazy. I would I'm, return to that Discord and be like, guys, let's let's pony up some money here. Like I, I leaked for you guys and now <laughs> yeah, I'm getting right. sued. Let's see how much money returns from from their investment. And in should we should we start a GoFundMe for these people's uh, legal funds? Oh my god, <laughs> everybody needs GoFundMe's for everything now. <laughs> exactly, it's just people who need all these surgeries, and then a bunch of nerds saying like, uh-huh. these these people got sued. Nintendo by the Nintendo is company. suing us. Although I do think that that you might be able to raise some money. Like there is in the video game community this idea that Nintendo is too controlling with with mm-hmm. what they allow people to do. So you might be able to. To get some coin by positioning yourself as like the the small little David against Goliath, the victim. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I, I I wouldn't recommend anyone start a GoFundMe for these guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save your money, spend it on people who need it, and then uh, well, well, that's fine. We'll talk about the U.S. health system a little <laughs> later on. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, next topic on the docket is we have a military shooter launch event that turned into a bit of a racist <laughs> shit show. So an event organized to celebrate the release of Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2 had some journalists and influencers take place in a mock training program that was based around killing enemies and bad guys, which were in uh, quotation marks, these. And these bad guys and enemies were essentially dressed up to appear like they were Arabic. Mm -hmm. And it was... uh, It's just a whole level of, of why. Just on every... On every single platform, why? Especially like these people who are made to look like bad guys were just white guys dressed up, and uh, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know how to go from there because <laughs> this event, I don't even know what to, because this event is dumb on the foundational level of having white men dressed as Arabs and then having people fake shoot at them, mm-hmm. but also the incredible waste of money on this event in general. It kind of harkens back to I remember. Back in the day, hearing uh, video game journalists who would go, there was an event for 50 Cent when he had uh, the video game Blood in the Sand, I think it was called. And he invited a bunch of journalists to this private island that he had, and he was riding around on jet skis and ATVs. And then I guess very briefly, they were playing the game so that they would hopefully just distract people from the actual game and talk about the experience. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's more of one of these where people talk more about the experience than the game, but it's just done so very poorly. Uh, I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Rodrigo, how do you? How do you think this event should have gone, if not at all? Yeah, I mean, I'll approach it from the journalism side. Like last week, I think there's a clear conflict of interest of journalists just going, getting out there, and getting shipped into doing these these fun events in quotation marks because this one obviously ended up not being great. Like I know the 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 article in Kotaku that was describing this, the the journalist that wrote about it mentioned that they didn't go because that's kind of their standard that they don't go to like PR created events because it compromises the idea of then when you're talking about it, right? So like from the get go, it's kind of I guess like a shitty idea. I think it's very curious that uh, the 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 company that was responsible for the game, um, they said that they had reached out to the the training. Uh, organizers and said that they wanted it to look like the bad guys in the game which then the people said that they that to keep the authenticity of the training they weren't going to do that and, and they still carried forward with it so i think in the game the what they say is that the outfits of the enemies are not are designed specifically to not be referencing any particular group which is kind of their way of saying that the racism was not theirs but somebody else's but it's like you know if you're the company you still have to own the event. It's like if I if I'm the communications person for a company and I go there and it's like, wait, they're just gonna shoot Arabic people? Like, how is that not a red flag 
for anybody there to say like, we got to cancel this event, like go set up some TVs and video games. We're ordering pizza. We're going to find some like indie band to just do some other type of shit, right? Like it's like you have to own that part of it is what I think. And yeah, it's just there's there's no level where any of this really makes any sense. I feel like it's not even really doing anything to promote the game. Although, to be fair, now we're talking, we're talking about, about, it. about it. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe that was the point. Diego, this event, I don't uh, would you have would you attend? How would you feel about going to this event here? Um, like, I mean, I probably would have attended without knowing what was going to happen, right? But yeah, I, guess, I guess nobody knew they were going to shoot white guys dressed <laughs> yeah. like Arabs. What that context was there, maybe people would have been so eager to go. For sure. I mean, it, I, I'm also, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of military shooting games. Like, I, I don't mind, like, FPS games like Halo and stuff like that. But these intense military shooting ones, I don't, like, I don't find anything particularly uh, appealing about them. So I, I like just going back to your question before, I don't know if I actually would have gone to this, but I mean, what what seems to be the issue here is that it's just I don't know, it's maybe a lack of diversity still in these um, like uh, software develop developers. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't they maybe don't have people that are should be there telling them, like, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Right. This, this is probably mm-hmm. going to end up badly. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my first thought. Right. And then, like, second of all, it's it's almost as if these people are still relying on, like, these, like, old, like, Western media tropes where they use Middle Eastern people to portray villains, right? Mm-hmm. Which has not been a thing in movies for, like, a long time. And and it just seems that there's certain parts, like, of the world that, like, if people that just haven't gotten the memo that this isn't, like, okay anymore. It's actually very racist, right? You know? And... It's just it's and it was funny what like from what I read of the article, like the developer CI games, they were they had somebody saying that like the the game is he quoted it's purely fictional narrative based in a purely fictional setting. Right. But somehow they still they still fell on all these like tropes. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. It just seems like uh, it's it seems like a lot of people are always about like, you know, apologizing Mm -hmm. instead of actually thinking of about things before doing them right you know how many how many times have we seen people having to go out their social media and apologize about things that that could have easily been avoided right also this game is what is it like i think it's called snipers ghost warrior contracts 2 like that yeah, i think the biggest crime is probably the name of this <laughs> them getting press about this is probably more press than they were gonna get for this game in the first place right yeah so mm-hmm. i don't know it's i mean we're talking about it as you, as you just said it which is crazy so uh, like I don't know. I think we've I think we've talked about this this game enough to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more credit than I guess they they deserve mm-hmm. for that. I thought it was part of the other sniper series. I feel like there's so many series of games that are called Sniper. Yeah, I couldn't even remember. That's a different developer though. I think. Yeah, so I thought yeah. this was part of that series, which was kind of baffling because I know those games are very well received, but I guess mm-hmm. it's just another game that threw Sniper in there. I wonder uh, if if I went and as like a browner person, they would give me like a kafia, like a, a headscarf. Like yeah, would they? Would they intentionally? <laughs> Why? I wonder if they, they would try to. Con- they'd go too far in the other direction, where it's like he for sure cannot be the, one of these people. <laughs> like this is uh, abs- anyone else. Like I would go in, they'd be like, "You perfect. Nobody's gonna be mad yeah. about shooting you." Mm-hmm. Get, like we walk in together, they give you like a marine jacket, and they give me like an. A kafia, like a headscarf, and I'd be like, "Hmm, what's up happening?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an issue. It re- it kind of reminds me, like back in the early PS3 days, when it would be 
all these call like all these early call of well, early ish call of duties and even games like uncharted like in the first uncharted game you're just you land on a desert island and you're just shooting everyone who's not white essentially and it's it's sad that they they went for this game and they decided not to make uh, not to fall into this trap like you're saying diego mm-hmm. and then just did the exact same thing for this press event mm-hmm. so anyway so uh so that's all the press we're going to be giving for them unless they do another event next week that we'll have to talk about but we'll see <laughs> Yeah, talking about uh, some games that we do recommend, although me primarily because uh, I'm a, I'm the Mass Effect boy in this group. So Bioware, the creators of Mass Effect, have revealed the fate of the planned Mass Effect movie. So before the trilogy was even completed, they were looking to mount a film adaptation of the series. I don't know how they were going to do that before the trilogy even finished. Maybe they were going to do some uh, some George R. R. Martin stuff where they just work on the the movie through the games and hope that the games finish before they catch up to them. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Essentially what was going on here was they were looking to make a movie and it is Mark Walters, who was the project director for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which everyone should be playing. He was quoted as saying that they always felt like they were fighting the IP and they weren't quite sure what story they were going to just tell in 90 to 100 minutes. Because even these games, the first game is already... Each game, I'd say, is between 30 and 40 hours, depending on how much of the game you're trying to take out of it. And these aren't games where it's not really story heavy. Like this game is so story heavy that the second game, they made a comic that you could make choices from the first game that then carry over into the second game. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how they would even do that. They did mention that they felt it would probably be better suited for TV and the small screen, which is, I think, something that we all kind of think about that we all kind of share. So I guess, Diego, I guess in terms of video game adaptations, uh, in general, they do seem best suited for TV rather than the movie screen, although they probably best suited to stay as video games. Hmm. So I don't know how you would feel but if you feel like maybe video games, we should uh, see what we can do with them for TV shows rather than movies, or if you think maybe we can condense these shorter stories into films. No, yeah, I think the, the right choice there is definitely going uh, the TV route, right? I think uh, TV has gotten to a point where Netflix is, for example, just wanting to produce anything and everything right now. So <laughs> I think they would jump on board on doing that. Well, like um, like like studios that develop movies are probably not willing to take that much of a risk, especially when it's video games. Right. Um, but yeah, but like I read that article, too. And what um, the the guy from uh, Mass Effect was saying, it's very true. Right. That's it's a game that's based on like so many narrative paths. And, you know, it's it's difficult to think of uh, what one idea could work for for a storyline. Right. And and like what you said, like 90 and 120 minute movies like that's not going to be enough. Right. So uh, I think if it was taken and made into a TV format, it would work well. Um, The other thing I think would work well for Mass Effect is not necessarily having Shepard as a main character, right? Mm-hmm. Because it could be a situation where, like, they maybe uh, focus more on the storyline of about what happens before or after the Mass Effect games themselves. Maybe they could try adapting something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think TV would be the best best like scenario for for them developing this game. And I actually hope they do kind of do this one. I hope so too. I, I agree with what you're saying. Where 
it does kind of remind me of Star Wars, how we have this whole set up galaxy and this whole universe and we just kind of focus on the Skywalkers for nine movies. Mm-hmm. It does feel like there's so many other stories and so many other avenues they can go down. Yeah. And it would be really cool to see this adapted and brought to uh, brought to us essentially on the, the TV screens. But I guess we'll see. Uh, Rodrigo, uh, for you, I don't know how you feel specifically about video game adaptations. If you feel like maybe you'd be better suited for the small screen, maybe better suited if we don't do it at all. Uh, no, I think Mass Effect is kind of part of this new gen of games where more care is placed into the story that I'm kind of, I I think if I have any optimism left for like video game properties and on movies and TV, it is because in, even in the video game world, we're kind of placing more importance into the narrative. And I'm hoping that's going to translate well into like, you know, The Last of Us or Uncharted and like these other projects that are still coming up. I will say, though, I am a big fan of like space TV shows. I don't know that the audience out there really is. I find, you know, like Firefly. Careful now. Met a, an untimely <laughs> demise. Like Battlestar Galactica was kind of relegated to. The sci-fi channel, The Expanse, which is based on this current series that uh, is written by James S.A. Corey, uh, also kind of like on these very specific niche cable channels. And so that kind of saddens me that I, I would hope that it would be something that if they're going to get started, they would be able to, like, you know, it's like I my dream would be an Amazon slash uh, HBO kind of situation for them, right? And mm-hmm. that's just my question. It's like, I don't know if there is that appetite out there in the real world for like space drama. Yeah, I mean, I guess for certain, I think we all love Star Wars, but I feel like it's kind of lightning in a bottle with these things. You mm-hmm. can't keep trying to go back to that well and make new things. Uh, for you, though, because you were talking about uh, Fire Emblem and how there's so many different uh, characters and so many different storylines. I don't know how you would feel like if they were to adapt a property like that that has so many different ways to play. What Do you, do you agree with Diego that the best way to do it would just be to pick a side character and kind of tell their story or a side story and go with that? Yeah, I think so. It's like it's kind of like a friend to everyone is a friend to no one, right? Like just pick one subgroup and then you can throughout the season, you can start filtering in like cool cameos or cool moments from some of the other ones. And people will be like, hey, that's this person or blah, blah, blah. Or that's that's this moment. I do think specifically with Mass Effect, like the idea of how they developed the technology that took them from us to them, like that allowed them the traveling. I think that's kind of a cool starting point. and, And maybe it also frees you from being too tight tied too closely to the video games which sometimes can can bring some negativity if, if you're when you start to depart from from what the expectations are no for sure i would definitely agree with that uh for me looking into mass effect so it's not really a spoiler because it kind of happens before the game mm-hmm. uh there's an event called the first contact war where essentially what happens is in Mass Effect, there's these things called mass relays where you drive a spaceship by it and it essentially transports you immediately slingshot. across the galaxy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like a, like a little slingshot. And they find the first one right after Pluto, I believe. Uh, and eventually they're able to make their way there. They get slingshotted and then they're immediately greeted by this race called the Torians, who are a very like militaristic uh, mm-hmm. group. And immediately they just all start trying to kill each other because there's this weird group of aliens that the humans see. There's this weird group of aliens that showed up through the mass relay. So it's called the first contact war. And then eventually it kind of settles down. And then you meet all the rest of the races. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would probably be a good starting point, especially yeah. because uh, Commander Shepard isn't even alive for that. Like, I think this happens maybe a hundred years before 
we see him, mm-hmm. or maybe 30 years mm-hmm. before. I'm a fake fan. I don't really know time frames. <laughs> anyway, I think that would be a good starting point. Just start everyone going into space. Uh, Diego, for you and Guilty Gear, if you had to pitch me the Guilty Gear television show, how would we go about doing that? How would we make this happen? Oh, I think I'd be the wrong person for that. Because as I said, like, <laughs> first of all, first of all, like uh, I, I don't have any faith in fighting game fighting game like stories like movies did, did you like the way that the recent mortal Kombat movie did it where it was just like a big tournament that everyone had to do no but I they didn't it. do it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i really didn't like it to be honest like i mean mm. there was parts of that scene in the beginning where it's just like Zub zero and scorpion they were like uh like talking like just uh you know talking to each other and it, and it was set in like feudal japan i feel like if the whole movie was set in that time it would have been much better right mm-hmm. but then they did this mm-hmm. whole jump forward and to modern times and the movie is like campy right but it's like bad campy it's like mm-hmm. a kind of campy that like not even back in the 90s you would be okay with right so mm-hmm. like it was disappointing because I, I everybody was like hyping it up i mean i i do have to give it credit for like the fight scenes being really cool but like the rest of it was overall just really disappointing right and mm-hmm. like, uh, as, as I said, like, I'm, I'm not very um, confident with a fighting game series being adapted into movies because it's it's rare that you're going to find like a really good story in, in fighting games. Right. That's not really what they're about. But like mm-hmm. in the case of Mass Effect, Mass Effect is different. Mass Effect is definitely a story that's heavily like story. Sorry, a video game that's definitely story driven. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So and I, I enjoyed playing that game. I remember that the appealing part to me was like the combat and like the mechanics about the game was was cool. It was fun. But truly, mm-hmm. the most appealing part was the fact that uh, you could have conversations with like everybody uh, in your ship. Right. And and because of those conversations, you started to learn more about each character and like develop relationships, which is like which is like the best part of Mass Effect to me. So them adapting this this into a TV show like would be a great idea for me because they they need a lot of time to actually flesh out these characters a bit more right and mm-hmm. I, and I think like um I I think if you try to go with Shepard as a main character you're it's just the story might not land right I mean the story might not land anyways but I just get the yeah. feeling that like if if you go with Shepard people are going to be looking at whoever plays Shepard and they're going to be like, that's not Shepard. Shepard wouldn't dive like that. Shepard wouldn't be that person. And they would criticize the show for what they feel like Shepard should be as opposed to what the general idea of the universe of Mass Effect like should be, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, um, I, I hope that they do end up making this show. I, I would definitely watch it. Also, I, I read something about Henry Cavill uh, tweeting something out mm-hmm. about Mass Effect. Yeah. That man wants to be in every video game adaptation. I think he, <laughs> he des- took he deserves it too, man. He's an actual like nerd. Like he he yeah. does. No, yeah, that man's building PCs. He's, yeah. he's doing the Lord's work. This man for sure. <laughs> I love that guy. He's a great guy. If they make yeah. Mass I Effect, think- put him in there. Just don't make him Shepard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they took a picture of him sitting on a in a chair, re- like reading a script, and the script was just like a Wikipedia page of Mass Effect characters, mm-hmm. and everyone's <laughs> like, what. So he's doing something with Mass Effect, right? Because otherwise, <laughs> why is he just reading a printed off Wikipedia page like a psychopath? I mean, he could just be reading a printout of Wikipedia of Mass he's, Effect characters. He's just cool he's that, with that. He's, just he's that such nerd. a big nerd, but he doesn't have time to play the game, so he just really wants to read up on them. <laughs> I respect it. I can really respect that. Uh, to something that I don't know if I can respect, Pro Evolution Soccer has a new strategy for beating FIFA, 
which essentially is what they're doing, is they are buying up the licenses for a lot of the teams and preventing them from being in FIFA. So Konami, who is making this game, they now hold the rights to depict Atlanta, Atalanta, pardon me, to all the Atalanta fans listening, in uh, Serie A, which is Italy's top soccer league. So this is the fifth team from that league that's now no longer going to be able to be played in FIFA. The biggest team essentially that's not included in FIFA is Juventus, which is where Cristiano Ronaldo plays. And he's a former star, like former uh, cover star of FIFA. And the fact that FIFA is now essentially not going to be able to show these teams at all. So what they've been doing in the games is uh, Juventus. So they can't show their crest. They can't show their real jerseys. They can't show their real stadium. So they had to make up a team name. It was called, I think it was Pimenti Calico, which is just like black and white in Italian. Yeah, it's Piemonte Calcio. There, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for keeping me honest there, Diego. Yep. <laughs> so essentially what they do is they now have to make up these teams and as soon as they're just going to lose the rights to the leagues altogether. I remember for a while they didn't have the rights to the Brazilian league, so they just didn't have anybody in the game from there. The Portuguese national team, for some reason, is just like the Portuguese flag instead of the actual crest. So I it's a bold strategy considering the lead that FIFA has on Pro Evolution Soccer right now. It was a little closer at the beginning of the PS3 generation, I'd say. But now FIFA is kind of running away with it. It's not a bad strategy to maybe get these fans of these teams because if I really want to play as Juventus, I can't play FIFA because yeah. it's just straight up not there. So I don't know if this is a good strategy, if you think it'll work. Diego, I know you're uh, a fellow FIFA fan. Is this going to mm-hmm. make you go over to Pro Evolution Soccer so that you can make sure you play the real Juventus? Um, I, I don't know. Like, to be honest, I was going to say no. <laughs> But uh, I, I did. I actually at some point was uh, a fan of the Konami soccer games back in the day when mm-hmm. I played. It was called Winning Eleven. But then oh. at some at some point I made the jump to FIFA. Right. So I'm not going to say no, I'm never going to make the jump a jump to F- PES. But I don't think this whole licensing thing is going to make me do it. Right. I think it's just the, the licensing part is just getting crazier in these games. And uh, the the only people losing here are the fans. Because now I have to play an incomplete FIFA game or I have to play an incomplete PES game, right? So it's just, I mean, it doesn't, it might not seem like a nuisance to anybody else. But the reason I do play like uh, FIFA is because I do like to play with like the stars of and the teams, right? It's because this is, it, they're direct references to things that I know, right? And it's just, it, the game's going to become ugly, right? When you have to start matches that are like, oh, today's match is between Real Madrid and Piemonte Calcio. That throws you off already, right? Mm-hmm. And at, at least before, they still had the licenses to use, like, um, I guess, the players' names and appearances. Mm-hmm. But if they start losing that, too, then what are we going to end up with? It's going to be it's going to be Carlos hilarious. Roberto. Like, yeah, or like the Neymar, Neymar Jr. Mm-hmm. in one game and then Maynard Sr. in another, <laughs> right? And it's just it's going to be a hideous like scenario in either one. I mean, I, I, I was interested in, in trying out the PES game because I heard that they're actually uh, moving their engine to I, I think it's the Unreal Engine to see how that works. So I would have given I, I would give it a try because of that. But as, as I'm saying, it's just like it's both of these games are just going to be very unappealing to play in the end if if i'm gonna have to play with like one real like completely real team with real stars and then another completely made up team with like you know i guess like made up faces gonna be just strange to play but i guess we'll see who knows yeah i remember there was a fifa i want it's probably like 10 years at this point because these games have come out every year and i can't keep track of any of them 
where they lost the rights to every uh, Dutch player. So Raben was like uh, 88 overall, but he was just some random guy with a fake face. And everyone was very confused <laughs> why this is very good fake player in this game. Uh, so Rodrigo, I guess for you, it would I would like to imagine a world where Marvel license out their characters, but only some people get to use the real ones. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to imagine that somewhere there's an Avengers, but it has like Arachnid Garçon because <laughs> another studio has the rights to Spider-Man. So would you still go to these movies watching Arachnid Garçon if it was not the real thing? I mean, if we're going to talk about an Avengers game that seems like it wasn't able to secure the faces of the actual characters, we can just talk about the actual <laughs> Avengers game because that kind Damn. of is what it looks like. Uh, here's the thing. I I, I I appreciate you bringing it to, to my uh, playing field, but I will say specifically to the the FIFA and PES comparison, if you guys are saying that it's important to be able to see these faces and see these players. So there is no other strategy viable for PS if they want to try to compete, right? Like they have to try to get these leagues and these teams and it's shitty, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's the standard, right? Like if, if FIFA owns all the licenses and PS is forced to like back in, in the heyday to have fake teams and fake names, then no, they're never going to, to be able to be the, the winning in, the winning 11 in the, in the competition, <laughs> right? Hey now. Uh, um, but I will say, I don't think it's enough. Like, you know, if you buy licenses, but your game is still weaker than FIFA in terms of, of playing it, like how how it compares and how it feels when you grab a controller and you're trying to replicate what you're able to see like on TV, then if you're not able to do that part, then there's no amount of licenses that will make you the, the winner of this this competition. So, I mean, I think to, to your original question of it's a good strategy, I think it's the only strategy that they can do, but it's not going to be enough. If they can't match it with like some mechanics in, in this new engine, then it's not going to be enough. Yeah, they have a system called eFootball now, which I guess is them trying to compete with FIFA Ultimate Team, which the loot boxes. Yeah, well, we're going to go back to loot boxes. That's how <laughs> we're going to make the money. Maybe what they should do is make Ultimate Team, but with no loot boxes. It's just everybody's like, you get Pele. You know, yeah. you you get Maradona. Everyone just gets all the best players and then just have everyone fight it out. I feel like it wouldn't be very financially viable, but I feel like maybe it'd be a way to get people into this game. I think I would play it because of that. You know, that actually does mm-hmm. seem like a good idea. If there is a way in-game for you to earn these players as opposed to having to buy loot boxes, I'd be down for that. You know, like if, if both of these games are going to end up being ugly because one of them can't use the license for the other thing, then it, it's the, the thing. No, there's not going to be one specific thing holding you to FIFA. Right. And just mm-hmm. just to mention what Rodrigo was saying, like before, I think uh, like overall FIFA is a more popular of the soccer game. But PES is actually um, I think it's known to be a pretty good soccer like engine. I think a lot of people that play it, they do appreciate it for what it is. I personally don't play that much because, as I said, I I played FIFA because of all the licensing stuff, because originally they had everything. Right. But like uh, it's not a bad game. And as I said, they're trying to move their their game overall to the Unreal Engine just to see how that starts working. So I'm curious about that. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. Right. And and the other thing, too, is that PS is uh, the game that has the licenses for Peruvian soccer teams. So that is one thing I that will probably definitely draw me to to that game, right? It's like I I never see Peruvian national soccer teams in FIFA anyway, so mm-hmm. I, I was I was also surprised. That was like a surprise. I don't think it would cost a lot to get those licenses from Peru, or maybe they just didn't care. You know, I guess it it for for Konami, it seems that they definitely look into specific markets, right? 
So if FIFA's not there, like if FIFA's not prevalently uh, dominating a market, they'll probably jump in there. And I think that's what they're trying to do with the Italian market as well, too, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it goes for them. I mean, hopefully it works. Who knows? Jordan, if PES had a Santa Clara in in what one of their their games, would you give it a chance, or is it are you stuck with FIFA? I mean, at this point, I'm constantly afraid that Santa Clara is going to get relegated and removed from the game anyway. <laughs> so I have to take whatever game will give me the Santa Clara as I need to take it. The problem mm -hmm. with Santa Clara is that I can't play with them in the Portuguese league because I don't want to ever beat Porto. So I usually take them and relocate them to like the English second division. And then sell this off is all why the you play your manager stuff there. instead of real games. Like you're more planning <laughs> than playing is what's happening. That's exactly what I'm doing. I want I want spreadsheets. I barely I don't even want to play the game. You know what? Which is basically what football manager the game itself is. <laughs> I feel like I should play that one a little bit more. But anyway, so we're all considering going to PES. Uh, PES, please don't take oh. out any of the Portuguese teams or Toronto FC because uh, I don't want to have to move over. I mean, we're it's going to be replaced by just like Drake FC or something like that. Oh See a picture God. of the owl. <laughs> Uh, so moving on from that, uh, Diego mentioned that he had the PS5 Slim with no disk drive. Well, uh, Diego, I have some good news for you, because mm -hmm. thanks to Sony, they are sending out invitations to buy PS5s and to a lot of people who already own a PS5. So essentially what they do is they have this program, which is called the PlayStation Direct program, which essentially sends out invites to people to allow them to buy PlayStation 5s. And it tells you certain instructions, so it's starting from this time to this time on a specific day, you would click Shop Now on their store, and you'd be able to buy a PS5. And a lot of people weren't super happy because they're trying to find PS5s out in the wild, and everyone who just signed up for this program who already has one is able to get one. Uh, the problem is, I don't think you can... I guess you could just take yourself off of the system, and then they wouldn't send you invites. I'm not really sure what people want from Sony, I guess they're trying to get the PS5s into the hands of these people. Uh, so, Rodrigo, are you excited for Diego and I to get an invitation for a second PS5 and then sold <laughs> to you for a markup of only 50%? Right, I'm going to pass on PS5. If I need to play PS5, I'll just borrow slash steal Diego's uh, PS5. I will say, though, um, how is this still, like, how is the stock still an issue, right? Like, I, I, I understand why, like, it ha what, what the reasoning behind it. But it's like, is this just the new normal that we're going to have for new launches of systems? Like, uh, even on the Xbox side, I know it's less, less of an issue than, than the PS5, but it was still kind of an issue to try to secure, like, a, a Series X or a Series 1 or whatever the latest version is. And, uh, you know, the Nintendo Switch Pro has been rumored for a long time. And I think that the reason that they haven't said anything is because they also anticipate like a stock issue when they launch. Mm -hmm. And so we need to like, I, I understand that there's competition between these companies, but we need to figure out the solution to, I mean, I don't know, can we just not make more graphic cards? Like, I don't understand we're really like, you know, like, I guess in my mind, it's so simple that I'll just go into this board meeting and I'll just say, like, just make more. Well, I don't know why, <laughs> why are we taking so long? Print but money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's also COVID related. I, I mean, you know, like somehow involved. So maybe it isn't a, a new normal that we're facing. But it's just very worrying that, like, you know, it's been, I think, like a year or something. Or we're still facing uh, the, these issues. Yeah, my understanding was it was a shortage of, of a specific chip that they needed for the system, but it was a specific chip that was also needed in the Xbox system, which is why they're also short on those as well. Uh, I hope that they start getting these out as soon as possible, start making more of these chips as Rodrigo has demanded, mm -hmm. because it feels like they keep talking about all these new games coming out and all these new things you can do, 
but people don't even have these systems in their hands. Yeah. So it's 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 understandably frustrating. If I didn't have a friend who pre-ordered seventeen of them, I still wouldn't have one myself. And yeah. I would be I would be threatening to sue Sony for not giving me a PlayStation Five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can definitely understand these people who don't have them. Uh, so Diego, have you received your email yet to buy a second PS Five? I actually haven't. I don't know. I have to check. Maybe it's in like the, you know, the, the spam. <laughs> what's it called? The spam folder? Exactly. The spam yeah. folder just knew you had one. It automatically <laughs> spam like, is don't, purchasing Don't bother one. this man. He already has a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Sony is doing this, to be honest. I, I, does it benefit like any, like uh, people in any way? I don't think it does. The only The only people it's benefiting is resellers, I think. Right, because mm-hmm. then they're able to get their hands on a second PS5 and then mark it up and sell it on on, on like Kijiji or something, right? So I I don't know why they're doing this because I, I I like the other thing too is that it seems like the console's selling well, right? The problem that they're mm-hmm. having right now isn't demand as much as it is supply. So it's it just seems like a strange strategy to me. I think um maybe it's just like it's like a part of their their system launching that they usually do this right in general to get more systems out even before they can produce them but i don't know is if i read this news and i didn't have a ps5 i would just be more frustrated with the fact that i know that this eventually seems like i'm gonna have to go to a reseller again to get the playstation 5 and pay pay way more than it's actually uh priced out to be yeah, I think the logic for now is it doesn't matter who's buying them as long as somebody's buying them. Because it doesn't seem like Sony has taken really any real action to try and stop the reselling or try to make sure that people who don't have it actually get it. So I guess for now, as long as somebody's buying these, then that's all they can do. Because if if they can't make any more, they're not going to market up themselves any further, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I guess the logic is just someone buys it, we get the money from it. Can I say, though, that I know someone that has purchased at least six PS5 and like, uh, I don't know that he's like fully resold in the most evil way that you can imagine, like super marked up. I think he does this thing mm-hmm. where it's like uh, people buy almost like raffle things. So it's like slightly more than he paid for. So he makes like a slight profit. But then the people that are buying it are buying it for less, like say like 25 or $50. Um, so if you can get like six, I think the average person should be able to get one try i mean you know what i mean like follow right accounts and i do feel bad for like parents that maybe their kids are like oh can i get a ps5 like a parent in this day and age they're never gonna find one that's like you have to get put it back on the youth to be like go find one and i'll pay for it mm-hmm. yeah i figured by now people would be able to get them but yeah apparently not something that you can get your hands on if you do have a ps5 is the game returnal and sony made sure that from now on, all the games made by the developer Housemark will be exclusive to Sony because they have purchased the developer entirely. Uh, ironically, I saw this story on my Twitter feed. It was one after the other. There was one tweet from IGN from Herman Holtz, who's the head of PlayStation Studios, saying that they're not in a war to acquire video game studios with Xbox. And then the very next tweet was Sony has uh, acquired Return Developer Housemark. Uh, this is one of those things where... It was kind of like the developer of Spider-Man Insomniac, where everyone just kind of already assumed that Sony already owned them because so many of their games were already just Sony exclusive anyway. Uh, And essentially, it's just Sony making this partnership official. I think it's a good move for Sony because people who played this game, who understood the system, uh, which is not me because it's another one of those hardy hard games that I'll have to wait that goes deeply discounted for me to even bother trying it. But everyone who plays this game seems to have loved it. I think the problem 
with this game is we can't even really determine if it sold very well since there's so few PS5s out there. Like maybe it would have been more of a system seller if there were systems to sell. So, I mean, that's it's great that they've acquired them. There was they also kind of messed up and talked about uh, Blue Point Games, which uh, they put out a tweet from Sony Japan, which accidentally put the uh, Blue Point Studios icon instead of the housemark icon. So I guess we'll just have to wait until next week before we announce that. So or, uh, I guess we'll start with Diego. Diego, how do you feel about this deal to buy Housemark? Do you think uh, it's not quite as big a deal as maybe an Insomniac or like a, a Naughty Dog, but it does bring them a good studio with these games? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, I think Sony's strategy right now is definitely to get more and more exclusives. I think any anybody's strategy uh, in the video game industry is just to get more and more exclusives, right? That's why we see a lot of studios being purchased. I just hope that this works well for the the housemark developers right because sometimes what happens is like they they just buy these companies and they end up mismanaging it and what happens is like a few years later it eventually close they close this division down because like let's say maybe sony's bottom line wasn't where they wanted it to be on the yearly report and it's it it kind of makes you think like sometimes maybe these smaller companies would be better off just growing on their own but if Sony is going to like treat this company well and like let them develop games, then it's it's probably a good thing, right? Because they're going to throw more money at these guys, which is always good, right? It's like uh it's not like Microsoft when they bought Bethesda that that was never really going to be a big issue because Bethesda obviously they're they're so big and they're so well established that it's hard to imagine them being closed down, right? As a division mm-hmm. for like Microsoft though. But yeah, I mean, I, I th- I've i heard good things about this game, Returnal. I heard it's a roguelike game. I had never really played roguelike games before until I played um, Hades. But I really I really enjoyed that game, Hades. I think I would give other roguelike games a try. And this one in particular looks really interesting because it's just like uh, kind of like set in space, I guess. Right. Which I'm also a fan of. And I hope um, this I hope this goes well for Sony and for Housemark. No, for sure. It it reminds me of a time back when Sony seemed to have all the exclusives that everyone was looking for, and then Xbox kind of went on a buying spree. It doesn't. It's it definitely looks reactionary, but I don't think it's as reactionary as it seems because this is already a studio they've been doing so much business with over all these years. So it just mm-hmm. seemed like a natural fit for them to go and work with them. Uh, so for Rodrigo, to you, I want to know, how do you feel about studios kind of buying up these these studios and making these games exclusive? I don't know if you feel like if it hurts the video game market in general, if you think it would be beneficial to the developers and then, I guess, better for gamers altogether. Yeah, I think it's the the the, the companies like are very tied to the, I guess, um, attractiveness of their console. And so how do you make a console more attractive by presenting games that you can only play if you purchase that one, right? And so I think Sony is very tied to that concept. I think Xbox is actually trying to get away from that a little bit. I know that obviously they purchased like Bethesda and so on, but I they like their view for the future seems to be a lot more tied to their Xbox Live Pass or whatever it's called. And I could see them having exclusive deals with companies, but then offering that throughout consoles as long as you are a subscriber to their Netflix-like program, right? So I think they are approaching it in two different ways. Uh, The Sony way right now is a lot more like the classic idea that most people have about exclusives Mm -hmm. and so on. I, I think... 
it's kind of like our our our, our PS versus FIFA conversation, right? Like that's just the way that the console war is set up. Like you have to get exclusives if you want people to buy your console over the other ones. Um, I I I would be lying if I said that I don't buy I, I buy every generation of Nintendo consoles because I have an expectation that I, that's the only place where I will be able to play like the next gen Mario game, the next gen Mario Kart, the next gen Legend of Zelda, and that ends up being true. And then it's kind of like a a, a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Or or like an endless cycle where it's like. I buy these consoles because I want the exclusive games and then they put these they make sure these games are exclusive because they want me to buy the console and so it's just like mm-hmm. this has been the same the, the same since I started buying games and consoles so I mean I don't know it's the way that the, the situation is set up I wouldn't fall I, I think the most surprising thing is like this the Sony guy saying that he isn't that their intention isn't to to out buy Xbox because why wouldn't it be right? Like, mm-hmm. why is that not your strategy if it isn't? I think uh, the general video game public, or I guess maybe not everybody, but they kind of realize that the backing that Microsoft has versus the backing that Sony has, they know Sony can't go out and buy Bethesda type developers. So maybe mm-hmm. this for now is the best move to kind of buy some of the smaller developers and then help them grow and then maybe have them make some of these bigger games for them. Diego, how do you feel about uh, video game developers buying up all these studios? Do you feel like it's good for video games or good for the developers? Yeah, as I said before, I think it's good sometimes, right? It depends on how they treat these developers. Um, like, for example, one of the one of the purchases that I just hated in video game history was uh, when Microsoft bought Rare, because mm-hmm. Rare mm-hmm. Rare had developed like uh, games for Nintendo for like the longest time. They they developed some of the best games, like um, the yeah. Donkey Kong Country games on the Super Nintendo, and then later on they moved to develop like Banjo Kazooie and Goldeneye mm-hmm. for the N sixty four. So yeah. Rare was like one of those studios was just doing like just doing amazing back in the N sixty four era, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Microsoft decides, hey, these guys are really cool. Let's go ahead and buy them. They bought mm-hmm. them. Right. And then uh, they did nothing with them. Like they tried a few games with like Rare and it didn't work well. And then these these guys at Rare ended up doing like their avatars or something. And that was ridiculous. Like I was like, what a waste of buying a development a studio. studio. Right. Yeah. But in the end, what happened? Like the people, the people that worked at Rare that actually were the ones that were making the good games, they got tired of that shit and they left. They formed their own company later on. So then in the end, Microsoft was left with licenses, right? And mm-hmm. the problem with it, with the them having the licenses right now is that they really haven't done much with that with Rare, right? With Rare licenses. Like, I, I haven't seen, like, a Banjo-Kazooie game, or at least a good one, in years. Like, the most recent thing we've heard of Banjo-Kazooie was him showing up in Smash Brothers. So basically them just, they're, they're lending out their, their Rare, like, IP, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything with it. So it, there's there's a chance of them of companies like Microsoft and Sony doing that to studios, right? And then eventually closing them down because they mismanaged it. So that's an issue there. But on the other hand, they're like Sony, for example, they have like worked with studios that they hadn't bought before, like how you said, like Insomniac, that worked well. And then perhaps working closely together, they, they you know, they started to develop like a, a better working relationship and the people working at Insomniac realize, like, hey, I like working at Sony. I think we can, like, work well together. And it, as long as, like, I think the developers are happy and they're able to do what they want to do, 
then that's it's going to it's going to benefit like the video game and industry overall. Well, like you mentioned, Diego, the perfect segue that you brought to me, just put it right on my plate was like playing Banjo-Kazooie in Super Smash Bros. Unfortunately, for these people who are enjoying Banjo-Kazooie, hoping to enjoy a bunch of other fighters, there will unfortunately be no more DLC characters for <laughs> Super Smash Bros. Ultimate after the second Fighters Pass which has been confirmed. Mm -hmm. So essentially what's going on is the uh, Fighters Pass Volume 2. It's going to be released by the 21st of this December, and that's essentially going to be it. Those are all the characters that are going to be released. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo also announced that there's going to be a next set of Mii Fighter costumes that are launching, and it was a lot of the characters that people actually wanted to see in the games. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess, Diego, how are you feeling about these games? Are you going to buy the Miis and just put them beside the screen and pretend like they're in the game? How are you going to enjoy these? Oh, I, I, I do that regardless. I do that. At, oh, perfect. At yeah. I, I already bought like the, the fighter pass, the second fighter pass. So I'm going to get all the remaining characters that are coming out because Smash Bros is like, uh, one of my favorite games, specifically this, this latest iteration ultimate, um, I, I'm definitely like gonna purchase everything that they put out there because this is like the best Smash game that they put out ever, and mm -hmm. honestly, I don't think they're gonna be able to surpass this game uh, yeah. ever again. Just because of the the fact that there's so many characters in this game right now, that it just thinking about the licensing, I don't think it'll ever happen again. And it, it's sad to hear that it's uh, we're getting to the end cycle of this game. I mean, I'm still going to play it because, you know, that's the beauty of fighting games, that they never they never lose their charm as long as you enjoy playing them. Right. Yeah. And you have people to play them with, of course. Right. Um, so it's it's sad to hear that it's coming to an end, but it's kind of expected. Uh, I think Masahiro Sakurai, <laughs> this man deserves to rest. And that man, <laughs> I mean, he will work himself to the ground if necessary. But I think it's it's time to to put an end to this and. Uh, I, you know, I, I just wonder like what's going to happen after this, after this smash, right? Is, is like, how does like smash, sorry, how does Nintendo follow up to this smash game? You know, I, I think mm -hmm. we're just going to see like re-releases of this game on future mm -hmm. consoles, right? It's the same way they did with like Mario Kart. They're probably, we're probably going to see like a super smash brothers ultimate deluxe come out over and over mm -hmm. in the future. Right. Which is Nintendo specialty. They just send, sell me their old games over and over. But yeah, that's how exactly. I feel about I that. I can't wait for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Deluxe Super right after that one on the next console as well. Uh, Rodrigo, for you, are there any of these characters that uh, you're really looking forward to seeing in Smash or just kind of interested in seeing in Smash and you're kind of disappointed they won't be coming out now? Well, for the the ones that they released as Mii Fighter costumes, um, they kind of... Like by it seems like it's cool that they're like, hey, look at these costumes in the game, right? But then also at the same time, it kind of confirms that they will not be playable characters in like because there's really one slot left uh, uh, of the fighter pack that we don't know who it is. And so when they announced that Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia, Dragonborn from Skyrim, Shantae, and Dante from Devil May Cry were costumes, it means that they will not be that last slot. So I'm trying to figure out like who could it be that's left of the of who people want. You know, I think I've heard a lot of about Crash, uh, Bandicoot, like maybe Rayman, and then Waluigi seem to be like the big three left that uh, people are hoping and, and praying. Or Master Chief, I guess I would throw in there too, but seems unlikely to me. So of those that are left, if I had to pick one, I guess I would. it would be cool to see Crash Bandicoot in this game. I don't know if they'll be able to swing that, but that's, I guess, where, where I land. I mean, personally, I wanted to see Dixie Kong join, but I think that's kind of like out of the question at this point. 
Yeah, a little, a little too fan servicey. Won't be mm-hmm. quite for you, <laughs> Diego. If the one character that's left, who are you hoping it will be, and who do you actually think it will be? Oh, uh, I hope it's. I hope Masahiro Sakurai is the last character. <laughs> 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 I want him to be the final character. He should add himself as a meat yes. costume at least, though. I like no. The, he is like people have created him to perfection <laughs> through Mies. Like there's definitely Mies that you could download there and use them as uh, fighters. And it definitely looks like him, but I want him to add himself to the game as a final <laughs> character, like a boss character in the game. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Who do I think it is, it's going to be? I, I'm starting to think it might actually be Waluigi, because I think um, uh, out of all the characters that he mentioned, that how like people are asking for these characters to be in the game, I think he's the one that always tops the list, right? Because yeah. they always think, how come all, like even Wario's in the game, but Waluigi isn't, right? So I think that that might be the the final game. I think he he's gonna want to close it out with like um, uh, you know a, a a character that's very close to like the Mario like um, universe. So my guess is that it's probably gonna be that. I I do think that um, Crash Bandicoot would be kind of cool because it would kind of be a reference to like the you know the the whole rivalry that existed back in the day between Nintendo, Sega, and PlayStation. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think Halo, uh, like Master Chief, is kind of out there. A lot of people do want mm-hmm. him to be in the game, but like, like Halo has never really been a game on, on the Switch. Even though there's rumors now that because of a uh, Xbox Game Pass, it might come to the Switch. Who knows? Yeah. I uh, like <laughs> a lot of these ideas. Like are, are cool, but I honestly think I think Sakurai is just gonna go with like something simple like Waluigi, mm-hmm. and he's going to make a cool trailer, and that'll be it. That'll be the last of it. But I, deep down, I do kind of hope it's, it's going to be him as a character. <laughs> so you don't think it's going to be too crazy, too out there, like, um, like Nathan Drake as portrayed by Tom Holland in the upcoming Uncharted film to advertise it? <laughs> no, that would, be, that would be too wild. I don't know. <laughs> like, what explanation could he give to put Nathan Drake in the game and not put Master Chief, for example? Everybody's mm-hmm. like, why not Master Chief? <laughs> right? He's going to go, yeah, he's going to go with something just like from uh, like somebody from like the Mushroom Kingdom. So I, I do think yeah, it's going to be. I think he almost has Waluigi. to wrap it up with Nintendo. Yeah, I think he is. So in Mario Kart, I used to I now play as Donkey Kong because I realized the bigger characters are better. Yeah. But uh, Lemmy was my go to guy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Is he in this game? Are we going to get any Lemmy? He is. Yeah, I feel Lemmy's like we need some game. Lemmy. There he's is perfect. one character that is like, uh, I guess he's, his default is like Bowser Jr. or like, yeah. uh, you know, like the Bowser's kid. But the alternate costumes are all the like the Lemmy, Iggy, Roy, etc. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I know who I'm maining then. Yeah. <laughs> is Lemmy any good though? Is this, I feel like this is probably a bad choice to play this little man with oh, wild hair. He's good. Like that's the thing about this game. It's everyone's good. It's just a matter yeah. of you putting time and like just getting good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, from some things that were good to some things that are not so good is the U.S. healthcare system. The U.S. Yeah. healthcare system is so bad that a video game had to change the localization because other countries just straight up didn't understand what they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a game called Cozy Grove, which was launched back in April. And essentially, it's a simulation about setting up a little camp on a charming little haunted island. At one point, uh, there's some ghosts that are on the island, and one of them tells you the importance of making friends with this hypothetical line saying, what if you get sick and need to crowdfund your ap- appendectomy? 
appendectomy. I probably should have pronounced that before I went on the podcast. That's fine. Yeah, appendectomy. <laughs> Essentially, what they're going for is in the U.S., a lot of surgeries and medical operations, they crowdfund them because people aren't able to afford them themselves. And this game brought to other countries who just straight up wouldn't understand what that means, because when they want uh, medical attention, they go to the hospital and then they leave not entirely in debt. So that kind of made me think about some of the great video game uh, localizations and adaptations, some of the translations that uh, didn't quite land as they intended, and some that actually were so good that it entirely made it better experience for the people who were looking into it. Uh, I remember there's a comedian named Mike Drucker who used to work for Nintendo, and he worked on the localization team which didn't make any sense to me because he's not a man who speaks Japanese. And then I realized essentially what this team does is anything that makes sense to this culture, you just need to bring it over essentially to a different region and make it make sense for them. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, I wanted to just discuss some of our favorite localizations, some of their translations, some of them good, some of them not great. Uh, for me, I found this great one from Mega Man Battle Network 5 Double Team, which was on the Nintendo DS, a game that we've uh, surely all played. Uh, character just straight up says, I'll jack into your squirrel if that's what it takes. Damn. And, and he will. Exactly. But that's the thing is, I don't really want to know what the context was in the <laughs> other countries. I just I just want to leave it as that. I just feel like it's perfect as is. Uh, <laughs> so, Rodrigo, talk to me about uh, some of your favorite localization translations. Which ones do you think uh, that stood out to you personally? Yeah, I mean, just briefly on this game, I think even within the context of the U.S., is it not fucked up that, like, the, the reason to have friends is to help fund your surgery? Like, the, even yep. the, even within the reg regionalization for the U.S., like, that's already weird. And obviously, it doesn't translate to other places where they have healthcare. But anyways, to, to your specific question, one that came to mind was Paper Mario, like, the latest iteration uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King. Basically, if you haven't played this game, you're going through throughout the world and you're rescuing Toad. Toads? Like, Toad the character, is he's also a species. So you're rescuing, mm -hmm. like, multiple people that are, I guess, of the Toad species. And, you know, you find them in a variety of different places. Like, sometimes they're, like, uh, folded into a cup because it's Origami King. They're folded into, like, they're, they're like, hidden between books. They're like, uh, you know, stuck to a wall. And so there's hundreds of these. And when you pull them off, they all kind of have like funny jokes or puns about like where they happen to be. And so when I was playing this game, it struck me that this is like very, the dialogue is very, very funny. And, but it's like puns based in English, right? So it made me mm -hmm. think like, that is a crazy amount of effort that they put into this game because I'm sure that it's originally written like in Japanese and then they come over and they're, they have like teams that work to, to, to localize it and make sure that it makes sense. And they just did like such a great job. Uh, when I was like, Googling to see if other people thought so too, I found this article that was talking about Paper Mario and like how some of these toads say that they want like human rights and freedom in the Japanese version because mm -hmm. it works within the story. But then in the traditional Chinese version, they had to tra translate human rights and freedom to a plain outlook and a peaceful life. <laughs> because they don't like you know they don't want to upset uh, the, the 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 Chinese government by saying that people within that world were looking for freedom and human rights, which is maybe something that they should. Yeah, I I feel like they probably felt it wasn't their place to intervene, mm -hmm. so maybe they they make their money from the simple translation and then move on from there. Uh, so Diego, I want you to tell me about a localization or translation that kind of stuck out for you. Well, I think one of the one of the quotes that I remember, it's a very well-known quote in video games is um, 
it's not really so much as a translation as opposed to like a bad translation mm-hmm. is um it's from a video game called zero wing from the sega genesis and it's a classic line called it, it goes all your bases are belong to us right <laughs> so classic. yeah and it's it just uh it just goes back to the fact that like it's it's changed that part of the industry has changed so much because uh you would see these kind of typos back in the day in nes games and sega games all the time because I don't know what they I guess whatever the developers had what, that was the equivalent to Google Translate would be the only thing that they were using back in the day in order to to uh, move these games to North America. While now, like you see uh, more dedicated teams, right? Like Nintendo has a Nintendo Treehouse. Um, sorry, the, the Nintendo, the, the team of people that do the Nintendo Treehouse, they're the ones that are, are usually in charge of this, um, of the translating and and, you know, just bringing the games over from Japan. And a mm-hmm. lot of these people are really good writers. And just like, I mean, I, I can't think of a specific game right now other than the one that Rodrigo mentioned. I think um, both like Fire Emblem and Paper Mario are are really good examples of why these teams are necessary, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes like um, there are certain there are certain things that like may seem like uh, funny or may seem okay to mention in in Japan because people in Japan maybe understand the context of it. While if you bring those kinds of jokes to the US, it's just going to be lost kind of like in the translation. Just falls flat. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like I other than those two games, I can't really think of anything else. But I think I I do see like the importance of these people. Like a lot of them are like actual writers. A lot of them are journalists. Right. And they're they're people that love video games. And it's so mm-hmm. important to have these people like working on these games because if it wasn't for them, like it's just we we would not appreciate the games to fully in the same way as maybe a Japanese audience might. Yeah. I feel like what they did was kind of what I had to do back when I was taking French class in grade nine and Google Translate was still in its infancy where we just had to take out the French to English dictionary and just keep flipping and translate word for word. And none of it made any sense when you translate <laughs> word for word because the whole sentence just falls apart. I imagine that's what they were doing. They were just stuck with their Japanese to English dictionary. Yeah. And it just it just straight up was not working. Mm-hmm. They did their best, uh, just like I did my best. We're doing our best here, but we could do even better with a little word from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is possible thanks to the support of our good friends at Ola Translation. The Hispanic Ontario Language Agency, or Ola, is a translation agency based in Ontario, founded by four Hispanic Canadians who want nothing else but to help people around the world to communicate in their favorite language, Spanish. Head over to olatranslation.org and use code CASTLE for an exclusive discount only available to our listener. Say goodbye to Google Translate and say hola to Ola Translation. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. This next segment is not brought to you by Little Caesars, but it is hot and fresh. It is all of the games. I think the sponsorship is pending. We'll find out shortly. Probably not that shortly. Essentially, what we're looking to talk about is some of the new games coming out this week, the hot and fresh goodness and seeing what we like. Uh, I'll start off. So this game is technically not new, so I'm already breaking the rules. Damn. But this week, there is a PS5 version of Greedfall that is coming out. 
Greedfall is a game that is it's kind of like an it's an action role playing game. It reminds me a lot of The Witcher, but in kind of more colonial setting. And it looks really, really good. The developers made a game called The Technomancer, which I wasn't super crazy about. But this game went on sale one day. It was too cheap for me to not buy. So I got it. And then I think a few months later, it was free on PlayStation Plus and I still hadn't paid it yet. So I guess the (laughs) the joke was on me. (laughs) Essentially, they're coming out with a PS5 version of it this week. Uh, It should look nice and pretty on my system. Once I finish Mass Effect, I'm probably going to play Spider-Man Miles Morales. But then I think I'm going to take a look at Greedfall, see what they've updated it to do. Uh, hopefully it's worth my money and I shouldn't just waited for it to be free, but I was uh, too anxious. Mm-hmm. So that is what I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, guys, anything hot and fresh, anything new that you guys are looking into? Uh, the only thing that I can add really that stood out to me is there's a Space Jam game coming out. Like the, the movie's coming mm-hmm. out, not, not in the near future. And they released a game and I think like my immediate instinct would, would be that they should have done like an NBA jam type situation, but instead they went for a beat em up. But beat-em-ups can be fun, so I, I'm interested to see what it will be like. Uh, you know, I, I have I don't have particularly high expectations, but I'm curious enough that I will check it out. I hope that they put both LeBron James and Michael Jordan as characters in this beat-em-up game, <laughs> although I would imagine it's probably just going to be the characters and, for the second and game. Shaq, I think so. Shaq. And Shaq. There will be, yeah. oh, be a reference to Shaq Fu, which was also a beat-em-up <laughs> game. These basketball players, go. they'd rather be in beat-em-up games than basketball yeah. games. For sure. Yeah. They just want to punch animated yeah. characters. Exactly. Well, they play enough basketball in their real life. I'm sure they'd rather just beat up some dudes instead. For sure. So that was all of the hot and fresh. It's going to be a little more expensive than the hot and fresh $5 medium pizza at uh, Little Caesars. But uh, we'll save that for when they're actually paying us. Are we getting money? So, for them? <laughs> well, we're the partnership is pending, I do believe. Oh, I haven't yeah. asked them anything yet. Uh, we haven't reached out to any of them, but mm-hmm. we are hoping eventually that we'll get that they'll them. reach out to us. Exactly. Uh, not to keep talking about Little Caesars, but I remember one time I was at a birthday party and the medium pizzas are just like $5 for a medium pizza. Yeah. So the guy's mother just bought everybody a medium pizza. Yeah, and that yeah. was just everyone's food. And it's like, Baller this, is party. Lo- this is a lot of food, but you probably saved a lot of money just doing this. Yeah. So that's probably what I'm going to do when I grow up and, uh, <laughs> and have big parties. Everyone gets their own medium pizza. Nice. <laughs> Invite us, please. Uh, Exactly. Well, <laughs> it's going to be expensive. Five bucks each. Uh, so usually what we would do now is we'd go into our sub and remaster segment where one of us will bring a game that we'd like to have remastered and then the mm-hmm. other people on the podcast decide if it's subbed, which means no bueno, or remastered, which means all the funding in the world will go to it. Yeah. This week, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to combine it with our final boss segment, which is where you beautiful listeners bring us a fantastic question for us to answer. This week, this question was brought to us by our good friend, Marie Hernandez. And this question ties into our sub and remaster segment because her question is, which Zelda game would you remaster and why? So what we're going to do for this segment is, Rodrigo and Diego, you two are going to have to bring me a Zelda game and ask why it should, and tell me essentially why it should be remastered. And I will be the one to decide if she'll be subbed or remastered. And to make it interesting, one of these games will have to be subbed, and one of them will have to be remastered. Damn. So I hope you're bringing the fire. Rodrigo, bring me the fire. Tell me, what are you going to be remastering? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, happy that I'm going first because they have remade so many of these, these Legend of Zelda games that you really have to go to the back catalog to pick 
one of one of them to to pull for this. And so uh, there's not a lot of options there. And I'm hoping that if we are pulling the same one that I'm going first on this pitch, uh, I think they should remaster the Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages uh, dual games. They came out for the Game Boy Color, and uh, they're, I guess, kind of slightly different than your regular ones in that they are two separate games that kind of tie in together. I think if you played one and then started the other one, you had some advantage to that. But they it, it consists, you know, like in one of them, you have the Rod of Seasons, which changes the seasons throughout the game. And then in the other one, you have the Harp of Ages, which lets Link travel through time. And so the main reason why I want to, I think this is a game worth kind of maybe uh, remastering is because the, the seasons and this time traveling, it shows up in the land that you're you're traveling, right? And so like if you imagine Breath of the Wild and how vast that world is and how like kind of you get to know it as you play it more and you know, like it, can you, if you if you if you can imagine that with these games, you know, if you could imagine like Hyrule in the winter and in the fall and in the summer and so on, or seeing like the passing of time of like what some of these old temples looked like when they were in their, you know, their heyday. So I think that would be really cool to see. I think if they would be able to do these two games and bring them to the modern Breath of the Wild engine. Mm. I'm definitely down with that, Diego. I'm mm -hmm. going to need you to bring bring the pitch. Uh, you're going to have to take down Rodrigo's pitch. There's only enough money for one of them. Diego, what are you looking for my money to remaster? Okay, so here it goes. This this one wins right off the bat. I want them oh, wow. to remaster Ocarina of Time. And, you know, it's it's the the one that like uh, the one game that everybody like loved of The Legend of mm -hmm. Zelda. And I think it'd be a right time to do it. One, because, well, it's been a while since we've seen a remaster. I guess we kind of saw a remaster for the 3DS back in the day, yeah. which was good. I liked it, but still, it's like seeing like playing it on the 3DS is not the same as playing it on your TV. So yeah. seeing a remaster of that game and being able to play Ocarina of Time on your Switch or, you know, whatever other console comes afterwards would be amazing. Right. Because mm -hmm. uh, to me, Ocarina of Time like is almost a perfect game. It's like almost formulaic to a point right now that like uh, other games have modeled themselves after Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe uh, a lot of like uh, games nowadays being more sandbox kind of don't fall in line and people kind of enjoy that thing more, uh, more about games. And they would see Ocarina of Time as kind of a linear like type game. But if there's any linear type game that should be remastered, it's definitely that one. The only thing mm -hmm. that needs to be perfected from that game at this point is basically upgrading those visuals and maybe perhaps moving the music up to match the quality of the games that we see nowadays, right? So yeah, I think that's my pitch for Ocarina of Time. Uh, I dare say that I don't know if any other Zelda game has more deservedly had their overall 10 out of 10 ratings throughout uh, the many video game websites. I think it's it's a gem. It's, it's very dear to my heart to me, and I think it's very dear to any Zelda fan's heart. And I would love to see a remake of that, you know? If anything, just get those people that are like making mods on the Unreal Engine to work on it. They'll, they're basically already making this game for free. Yeah, that's true. It's you, crazy that developers don't reach out to more of these people who are already basically making the game and just saying, we'll just pay you to keep doing this thing. Yeah. And it's also weird that that what like a person can do it and put it to a YouTube channel with like what funding? How are you doing this? And like other companies are not able to do this with money. 
Well, I have good and bad news for both of you, and it does result to the funding. So we do like both pitches here. I, I'm going to run EA because this is going to make more sense if I'm running EA. Okay. So we have the same amount of money, but we have to give it to half one project and half to the other project. So we have to find the funding another way. So we're going to need to add loot boxes to these games. Rodrigo, <laughs> what loot and DLC are we going to be able to add to your game? You're getting weapons from other games, right? You're getting like the the weird beetle weapon from uh, Skyward Sword. You're going to get the bomb shoes from Ocarina of Time. You're just getting random weapons that you typically wouldn't get. Splendid. Diego, I, we need to throw some DLC, some loot boxes in your game to pay for these. What are we adding in? Just customizations, you know? Because as I said, the game is perfect already as is, so mm -hmm. why not customize Link? You need to get, like, uh, you need to give, like, uh, kind of the same scenario that you have Breath of the Wild, where you have, uh, you can just, you know, attach the amiibos, and all of a sudden you have, like, Majora's Mask Link, or you have Breath of the Wild Link back in this Ocarina of Time, right? So that's definitely what you're getting. And like, I also do like the weapons idea, you know? I wouldn't be opposed to that. Splendid. I think we're going to be able to find funding for both of these games <laughs> at EA. Well, then we'll go deep into our pockets to try and somehow fund this Nintendo project. Well, Splendid, gentlemen, that's all we got for you this week. Thank you so much, Rodrigo. Thank you so much, Diego, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. You can follow the podcast on all of your favorite socials, at another castle ca nailed it for a second week in a row no big deal guys no Good big job. deal thank you i mean you shouldn't have to congratulate me for remembering my <laughs> own socials but it's sad that we have to get this far well anyways that has been all for us we're so glad that you joined us but most importantly remember it's dangerous to go alone so take this podcast with you <laughs> <laughs>